0: You're listening to the preaching ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek to worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, please visit redemption.bible. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming worship services. It is a privilege and a pleasure that I get to come and open up God's Word with you this morning. We're going to be diving in. We're going to be learning about something that eh, could be a little bit of a touchy subject. All right? We're going to continue our series uh, of Come and Belong and, and talking about what it means to live in biblical community. And Last week, we talked about confess one another, and this week kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with it, and that is forgive one another. And so I I love this series, this, uh, when we first got here, Terry, my wife, and I, and our kiddos got here right before the first anniversary of Redemption Bible Church. We were still meeting at Fryhide Elementary. Um, It was a couple weeks before that anniversary, and we came during the season uh, and during this series of Uncommon Community, basically going over these one another's. Uh, setting that DNA of who we are as a church, as a community. And the first week was love one another, and it was awesome. Because as we were moving out here, that was the thing we were wanting most. We wanted biblical community. We wanted people who were really about the Lord and about being in each other's lives. And so we were really excited. And then the next week was forgive one another. And it was like a Holy Spirit punch to the gut. Because it reminded me, and it showed me, that I was actually holding on forgiveness uh, for something that had happened where we were before, a uh, person had hurt me deeply, and I had thought I had forgiven him. And, and there was a little test at the end, and we're going to actually use that same thing at the end of this sermon to kind of do a check of our heart and say, "Have I really forgiven?" So I won't get into that right now. But um, it, was, it was pretty impactful, uh, and enough that I went home and, and tried to make contact with the person. And he was unwilling. And so I wrote a letter. And, and I confessed my unforgiveness. And I offered him that forgiveness. And it was awesome. Like as soon as I did it, this huge weight that I had been carrying was lifted off of me. And I'd like to say. That it was awesome all the way around and like we reconciled and everything was great but unfortunately uh, forgiveness can sometimes be like a handshake you kind of put it out there and they might not take it but what was important was that the spirit of god did a work in my heart to finally give true forgiveness right forgiveness and so you know, I, I think I hope I'm not the only one, but I think all of us can fall into this category where we might need to forgive somebody, and we might not even realize it. Um, but there's a weight that we carry when we don't. So, like I said, we're gonna talk about a little test at the end. But what we're really trying to find out is what is biblical forgiveness. All right, and so our core and base scripture this morning is Colossians 3 verses 12 through 13, and so um, we're going to get into that. I hope you have a Bible. Does everybody have a Bible? Because we need our Bibles, because it's not what I'm up here talking about. We need to see what God's Word says, and then we'll be able to expound on it. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get somebody to put one in your hand. If you don't have a Bible at all, we'd love for you to take this Bible home with you. But if you need it, you got it? All right, we got some of They got it. Um, turn, again, Colossians 3, chapter or chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. We're just going to read this to kind of set what we're thinking about this morning. And it says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and... If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. This is a a very deep and thick passage theologically, uh, and we're really just focusing on the forgiveness aspect of this this morning. I want to pull out a couple things that we need to know. So the first thing we need to know is that this is not a suggestion. This is a command. We are commanded. It says we must forgive. We must. And then like so many things in the New Testament, there's that caveat that is put there that kind of ups the ante, right? Whenever Jesus is teaching, it seems like he takes those Baseline moral teachings that they had and and just raises the bar. And so this says the manner in which we must forgive, which is as the Lord has forgiven you. And so that brings us to our big point this morning, our big takeaway. Hope you're taking notes. This is what you need to leave with. Uh, Hope you listen to the rest. But this kind of is the boiling, boiled it down to this point. I can truly forgive Because Jesus forgave me first. Now, I purposely said truly there because there's always this friction because there's a forgiveness that the world has, which they don't really have. But there's there's this idea of forgiveness and there's these misconceptions of forgiveness. And even in the church, there's misconceptions of what forgiveness is. So we're going to talk a little bit about what forgiveness is not before we get to what forgiveness is. And and I can tell you, I've heard it numerous times when somebody says, well, the good book says forgive and forget. And I can tell you it might be written in a good book somewhere, but it is not in this good book. The good book does not say anywhere that we forgive and forget. One, it's unreasonable to think that's even possible when we have been hurt. When somebody has done something to us that has caused pain, that has caused a break in relationship, that has caused a debt, and and we'll talk about this more, but that's really what the Bible refers to often as as when somebody sins against us, there's a debt. And so it's, it's just unreasonable to say we could forget that. But we are called to forgive in spite of that. Now I want to be very careful because a lot of times when we get this conception of forgive and forget or the idea that when I forgive I kind of just it's all done and there's nothing else that needs to happen and I will tell you often very often in this world sin has consequences here and so I'm not saying that we should place ourselves into a foolish situation. If we have been hurt, and, and man, I t- talk about like children and spouses or people in relationships who are abused physically, who are abused emotionally, uh, whatever that is, it would be foolish to put ourselves back into that position, back into that environment. And so we don't want to forget, but we want to be able to forgive. And so, don't, don't think I'm saying, like, hey, forgiveness equals letting it slide and just going back in, because that's not what we're talking about. We do not want to enable or encourage someone's sinful patterns, someone's sinful behaviors, because in fact, that would be unloving and not a mark of forgiveness. So, there are consequences that come along with actions. And so, We want to forgive, but there's also that debt that is there. And that debt is that someone owes something. And we have to realize this as we're talking about forgiveness, that there's always a debt there because it's associated with hurt. It's associated with sin. It's associated with something that happened uh, that has hurt us physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever that is and debts always have to be paid. Like, even if you go uh, and and declare bankruptcy or something like that, and and you're forgiven a debt financially, somebody's paying for it. Either the person you owe has to absorb that debt, or some other agency comes in. Somehow, that debt still has to be paid. It doesn't just disappear. And so we want to Understand that that debt is part of forgiveness. So we're going to talk about how to deal with that. And then the other thing it is, not, is it is not just stuffing it down, right? It's not think about it. I'm going to continue like nothing ever happened. And this is one of the most dangerous ones with forgiveness. When we try and act like it never happened, because I'll tell you what usually happens in that instance, this little root of bitterness is planted in our heart. And that root starts to grow. And that bitterness is like a cancer. It spreads to other areas of our lives. It spreads to other relationships. And it starts to poison everything because we haven't dealt with it. And it's just sitting there. And we're trying to shove it down. And it's just growing and growing. And so forgiveness is not just pretending it didn't happen. Shove it away. And then there's one more idea that's it's a wrong thinking about forgiveness. Um, and unfortunately, I hear this a lot uh, in, in the church in, in dealing with people who are going through some stuff. And maybe it's a sin that they committed. And they say this, I just can't forgive myself. I've said it. I've said that before, and I would venture to say many of us have. I just can't forgive myself. And I will tell you, there's nowhere, nowhere in God's word that it says that you forgive yourself. We have to get this right. We are recipients of God's forgiveness, of God's grace, and we just accept that. And acknowledge it and try and live in light of that. Period. Who are we? How how arrogant and prideful would it be to say that I hold a higher standard of forgiveness than Christ? So we don't have to forgive ourselves. We bring and confess to the Lord, and He forgives. And it says He's faithful to forgive. And so with that, we, we stand on his promises, and, and we just respond to this amazing grace. And there's another passage that it reminded me of. It's actually uh, boiled down even further. It's, it's what Redemption Kids is. It's their memory verse right now. And I, it's Ephesians 4, 3, 2, or 32, and, and it's, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And so all of these things, you, you notice that there's heart talk behind it, right? We're going to be tenderhearted. We're going to be kind. We're gonna, we have to have our heart in the right place. And so we're going to get ready to jump into how T- Jesus taught forgiveness in one of his parables this morning. And so for the rest of our time, we're going to be in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. And so if you're familiar with Matthew 18, and and many who have been around the church for a while are, you'd say, Matthew 18, that's a church discipline passage. And I will tell you that our, our parable is right after that passage. But we can misconstrue because, yes, there is a passage in there that deals with a method of church discipline, a process, a biblical process. But the whole of that section of scripture is about reconciliation. Even when church discipline goes to a point where you're disciplining someone out of the church, it is for their spiritual good that they would realize that their sinfulness, that they would repent and come back to the Lord for reconciliation. When we talk about confession and repentance and forgiveness, it's all part of reconciliation. And we are to be reconciled to our God and to each other. And so we have to follow these commands. So I hope you're in Matthew 18. We're going to be in verse 21 through 35. And I'm just going to read through it, and then we're going to get into it. We're going to dig in a little bit more. So it says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle One was brought before him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. And so the fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went to the master and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And that last piece leads us into really our our first point, which is forgiveness from a right heart. And in fact, all the passages we talked about, the Colossians 3, the Ephesians 4, these, these all dealt with heart words, right? Talked about, Tenderhearted, kind, meek, but really they kind of all boiled down around one word, which is humility, humbleness. We have to be humble to be willing to forgive. So it starts from a, a right heart posture, and I. We're going to look at, at Peter and Jesus' interaction really quick because, well, one, I love Peter. He always puts his foot in his mouth. He's always saying things and getting, like, corrected, and it gives me hope, and I just love that, but too often we give him a hard, hard time, right, and so we see him. He comes, and he says, hey, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive? Seven? And Jesus says 77, and we're like, you missed it by a mile, Peter. Like, how wrong could you be? But actually in this, Peter was showing uh, a heart posture of forgiveness. Because in that culture at that time, under, under the rabbinic teaching, the, the rabbis would teach kind of a three strikes and you're out rule. You, get, you forgive somebody three times and then you're done with them. You can wipe your hands of them. You don't ever have to deal with them. They're dead to you. We're kind of like, done. So, Peter doubled that and then some. And he's saying, Look, I I think I get it. I'm I'm ready to forgive seven times. And still, Jesus comes back and goes, No, 77 times. Some translation says seven times 70. What it's representing is this completeness, this ongoing, this, this number that breaks all the equations. There is no equation to forgiveness. His sin plus my forgiveness times three, and that's it. doesn't work. Jesus is saying it's ongoing. It's it's constant forgiveness. And I'll tell you, to do that, you have to have a heart of humility. Because... What do we want when somebody hurts us? Well, vengeance, justice. But if our heart is humble, we can actually forgive. And there's only one way to, to get our heart in that right place, and that is to uh, put ourselves rightly before God, to be at Jesus' feet, to understand where we are and who he is so to get there we kind of go into the next section of scripture and our next point which is we are forgiven much And so jesus begins his parable he said you know therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king settling accounts and so as we look at this, we can rightly say I, the king is representing God, and, and the servant is, is representing uh, one of us, maybe all of us. And so there's some things that we have to understand in this to really fathom how great this debt is. And so uh, I don't know about you guys, I, I haven't dealt with a talent of money lately, so I'd had to do some research, find out what a talent really means. And what I came up with, uh, most of them are consistent about, it's about 20 years wages. Now let me math that really quick for you. 10,000 talents, 200,000 years worth of wages is what this guy owes the king. And what he's representing is, is, A debt that cannot be paid. There is no possible way. There is nothing. This guy could work lifetime after lifetime. He's not going to pay this debt. It's insurmountable. And this debt represents what I owe, what I owed. If you're a believer... It represents what you owed. It was the debt of our sin. Right? The wages of sin is death. That, that, that should be the outcome. As we look at this with an eye of justice, this guy owes 10,000 talents. There's no way he's paying it back. Send him into prison. And what's he do? He falls down on his knees and begs, Lord, forgive me. And I will give me patience, give me time, I'll pay it back all of it. He says, I'll pay back everything. Now he knows in his heart that there is no way he can do that. But I love the next line. It says the king, out of pity for him, out of pity, forgave him, released him, and forgave the debt. He gave him freedom when he deserved prison. He gave us freedom when we deserved death. So the king, remember we talked about somebody has to pay the debt, right? The debt is still there. And so the king has to absorb that debt because now he's not getting paid back. But justice demands a payment, and so in granting the servant complete freedom, and canceling the debt, still leaves the need for payment, which is the gospel. It is why we can sit here this morning. It is the beauty of Christ, and I don't think we've thought on this enough. Like I know I haven't. Like. This should be daily. I should be amazed that Jesus came and stepped out of the glories of heaven to be debtless in his walk, to never sin, and to go to the cross owing nothing and paying everything. My debt your debt. Everyone like he did it. And that's beautiful. That's amazing and that brings us to our next point. And because of Christ and his sacrifice for us, we can forgive much. We can now, what we're going to see is that the servant in here chooses not to. We are offered the choice, moment to moment, day by day, as, as we are interacting with people, we can be grace filled or graceless. And this servant chooses to be graceless. It says, But when that same servant went out, and, and so this language is like immediately. He's on the floor. Please forgive me. The king releases him. He goes out, and the first time he sees somebody who owes him, he starts to choke him out, physically choking him. Pay me what you owe. This is a graceless response. This is in our flesh what we do, right? Because when it's our debt, We look and we want mercy. We want grace. Like, oh, you know, my little guy, he he learned that one early. He'd get in trouble. He'd turn around and say, but, Papa, give me grace. Be merciful, right? So when it's ours, that's what we ask for. But when it's others, our immediate thing is I want justice. I want vengeance. They got to pay for what they did. They hurt me. There's a debt I want repayment. And that's what the servant is doing. Now, again, with the talents, here we see denarii. Uh, Denari is basically a day's wage. So there's a hundred days' wage, right? Three months' pay. Not insignificant. Like, I don't know about you, but if I was suddenly to lose three months' pay, it, it put a dent in things. But it's not insurmountable. This is something that we can work out, right? He's like, hey, and he says, uh, give, be patient and I'll pay you, right? Same words that the servant used except the other one said he would pay everything, which was impossible. But this is this is workable. This is in our relationships. If we hurt each other, if I confess and repent from my sin, then then you can forgive and we can work this debt out. But instead with the lack of grace, the choosing of lack of grace. He says, no, throw him in prison. Throw him in prison until he can pay off the debt. How quick do you think he's going to pay off that debt in prison? Not very quick, right? And I think a lot of times that's what we do in withholding forgiveness, especially for a brother or sister in Christ. Like, we're throwing them in prison, and, and they can't do anything about it. Not going to forgive you. And so we have to be careful with this. We want to choose a grace filled response. We want to show this uh, daily choice, this process, this posture of the heart. And it's only possible for those who are truly in Christ. And the reason it's only possible for those truly in Christ is because we can understand how much we were forgiven, that insurmountable debt that we owed. Because I'll tell you, if, you, if, if you're not in Christ, you still owe the debt, but you just can't figure it out. And that's why in the world we don't see forgiveness Unforgiveness chooses to drag somebody right back into the same courtroom where we were just freed. But forgiveness remembers the gospel. And so, forgiveness is not just an event. I'll tell you, just like in what I realized that I was withholding forgiveness from that person who had hurt me, But I had said and thought in my heart that I had forgiven them for the event, for the thing they did. But that was not the process. And so the process is as we continue to extend that forgiveness, as it comes up in our heart, as we're hurt again, as we're dwelling on it, as we're thinking, it's just tearing up our heart as that bitterness is growing or trying to we continue to forgive and this is that process cuz i'll tell you there's a lot of hurt that doesn't instantly go away when we say i forgive you anybody with me on that like there's some hurt that you got to keep working at you got to keep forgiving you got to keep coming to the lord you got to keep extending forgiveness and that's the process and i say like we're we're responsible for the act of forgiveness But the Spirit of God in us is responsible for the work of forgiveness. And that's what changes our heart. That's what releases us. But we still got to do our part. We still got to go through and follow the command. So I told you I would have a little test for us at the end. Um, We're going to have these. Basically, they're called the four promises of forgiveness. Uh, They were in a book by Ken Sandy called The Peacemaker fantastic book on conflict resolution, on biblical, godly conflict resolution. And when he's talking about forgiveness, he puts forth kind of these four promises, basically. And so, the first promise is, I promise not to use it against you. Basically, he's saying, I promise not to dredge up old stuff, old wounds. Anybody ever been in that conversation and out of the blue, somebody goes, yeah, but remember you did that. And you're like, oh, I thought you'd forgive me for that. Obviously, there's unforgiveness there. If, if we're still calling it out, if, if we're going to dredge it up, if every time something goes wrong, we immediately go in our thoughts to, yeah, I expected it because of what they did got well, God, be careful, because that hinders us from true forgiveness. The next one is, I promise not to tell others about your sin. Slander. When we go and tell others about somebody's sin. And unfortunately, uh, oftentimes in, in the church, this is, this is under the guise or disguised as a prayer request Lord hey could you guys pray for Eric you know he did this thing to me he sinned against me pray pray for God to do a work in his heart you know this is you know the details and the dirt and we say it's for prayer but really It's to expose, it's to gossip, it's to slander, it's to say, see what, I'm better and this person did something to me. So when we're praying about somebody's sin, we can take that to God, he knows, we can bring it to him. We can seek wise counsel, but we're not gossiping. We're not trying to uh, change somebody's view of somebody's character based on their sin. So if I promise not to tell others about your sin, I also promise not to dwell on it. Anybody have the, the playback reel from the thing that somebody did? Kind of when things go quiet, when you stop moving, start thinking on stuff, it just pops up. And you start thinking, oh, man, they did this and they said that. Oh, I should have said this. Right? Right? That's this idea of dwelling on it. We, re- we rehearse the offense over and over in our mind. And of course, as we rehearse, it brings up the pain. It brings up the debt again. And so we have to forgive again. And then the fourth promise is, I promise not to let it hinder our relationship. Now, this one's tricky, right? Because like I was saying earlier, you know, I extended that forgiveness But there's still no reconciliation because that person wouldn't take ownership of his sin. And so it reminds me of Romans 12, 18, where it says, as much as it depends on me, right, if possible, I'm going to live in peace with somebody. I'm going to be reconciled to somebody. So when we say I'm not going to let it hinder our relationship this is in light of uh, a biblical reconciliation. That moving forward, we, we, can, we can actually move forward together in community as one. And so those four promises were kind of the thing that were a heart check for me. And I hope you would think on those if, if you're having these conflicts in your heart about forgiveness but I know some of us are saying like you don't know what they did and I don't and I know what I did I know who I was and God when I was still his enemy allowed his son sent his son Willingly to die for me to pay my debt. I wasn't a good person. I wasn't worth the life of my Lord. So all I can do is accept his grace and live in light of it. So how do we forgive somebody who doesn't participate? Like I said, we, we extend forgiveness. We let the spirit of God work in our heart. And they don't have to accept it. But if we don't do our part, it grows. That bitterness starts to poison us, poison our relationships. What's it look like when we forgive? Kind of go back to those four promises. Like, we're, we're not dredging it up. It's not on constant repeat. We, we can move forward in our relationships. big part of forgiveness is really checking our heart. Is there something we need to confess in that? Like, I, I had unforgiveness. I had bitterness, and I needed to confess that as part of my forgiveness. I'll also tell you that unbelievers, if, if, if they have not received the grace God, mercy of Christ, paying for their sins, they might not acknowledge that they even need forgiveness. We can expect unbelievers to hurt us and to sin, but maybe you can be the light that shines on the grace of God. It comes kind of where we started, you know, that idea that I can't forgive others fully because I can't reconcile my forgiveness with God. So if if you're really having a hard struggle with this, you need to get into prayer. You need to get one-on-one with God and just look at the sacrifice and the price that was paid so that we could be free, so that we could be grace-filled, so that we could live a life the way he calls us to. It brings us back to our, our main truth is I can truly forgive because Jesus forgave me first. I'm going to have a few more points as we're getting ready to close this sermon and just kind of final reflections as I was thinking on this. is Forgiveness, it's not easy. It's not. We wouldn't have to forgive if there wasn't an offense that caused pain, hurt, and debt. So it's not easy. There's a sacrifice required by each of us when we forgive. And that sacrifice, I'm giving up my desires for justice, and I'm leaving it in the hands of the only just judge. So I'm going to trust God with the forgiveness, with the justice. Like the first servant, are we on... Appreciative? Are we forgetful? And it happens quick, even in their parable, like he just left and walked out and had forgotten the grace and mercy. Are we forgetting the great grace that we've received? So I'll tell you, rehearse it daily. Remind yourself of the great price that was paid for our debt so that we could be free. And I guarantee you will never, ever forgive a debt greater than the debt that you've been forgiven. We sinned against a perfect, sinless God, a debt so huge that we could never repay it, and then he absorbed the debt. He paid the price. And so when somebody hurts us, especially a brother or sister in Christ, it's never going to be as big as that. Might seem like it in a moment, but as we think on it, it'll never be that big. And then through Christ, we can become powerful channels of grace. We can forgive one another. With that, let's pray. And uh, then we're going to celebrate this forgiveness through communion. Father in heaven, we love you. We need you. We hear your teaching, we know your command. And Lord, it's it's hard. But we thank you for the opportunity to be conduits, to be vessels of your grace. As as we get to live in community with others who have been forgiven much. We can forgive much. And we know, we know that it is not possible in our flesh. We know that it is only through the blood of Christ, through his sacrificial payment, that we are free, that we are yours, and that we can forgive as we have been forgiven so Lord I ask you to ready our hearts as as we prepare to go to the Lord's table Lord help us to freshly confess any sin that we are holding let us come and remember your goodness remember your great forgiveness It's in the name of our Savior.